You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hello, hello, Miami Dolphins fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, sponsored by BetUS, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Aaron, at long last, after waiting for over two years, the Miami Dolphins have played a preseason game. And it was really exciting. And I forgot that preseason football, I do this every year, with the exception of last year, I get really excited. It's football, we've got an actual game, and then, oh yeah, it's, it's preseason and it kind of sucks. Right. <laughs> you're, you're so fired up for it. I mean, it was great because this was a, most of the time the Dolphins play their preseason games uh, during the week on an evening, and this was a Saturday afternoon, 1 p.m. kickoff, and it was kind of just exciting to get into that afternoon feel of sitting down on, an, on a weekend afternoon to watch some football. That was pretty cool, and, you know, for most of the first half, I think it was a pretty enjoyable game to watch, and then it sort of was just like, okay, now we're watching second and third stringers, and while there was absolutely information to glean from that, the, the sort of the buzz and the excitement certainly wore off, but we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the Dolphins' first preseason game of the year against the Chicago Bears, and we're going to get into what we took away from that game, where the Dolphins go from here. Uh, but before we do that, we are going to talk about Aaron took a trip to Dolphins training camp, which we're going to talk about as well. And we've also got the culmination of a drama that has played out almost completely since we last recorded, and that is the Dolphins restructuring Xavier Howard's contract and keeping him happy, at least for the 2021 season. So. We're going to cover all of that on the show today. But first, Brain, I have to ask you, do you like playing with balls? And no, I'm not talking about footballs. I mean your balls. I'm going to plead the fifth on that. Fair enough. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, want you to shave your pubes with the Tom Brady of ball trimmers, the brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Only the GOAT technology for the greatest balls of all time. And when you're going towards the end zone, make sure you use the right tools for the job and choose Manscaped. Two million men worldwide trust them so join the movement with our exclusive offer by using the promo code dolphins talk and save 20 percent off and get free shipping at manscaped.com the performance 
excuse me, the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a key for a great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure your crotch doesn't look like Troy Polamalu. Which, I mean, that is some excellent imagery that the Manscaped folks are providing. The Lawnmower 4.0 is a 7,000 RPM motor. A new multifunction on-off switch can engage a travel lock, and it gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Even the playoff winning coach this year can enjoy a nice, uh, can enjoy a nice trim during the celebratory water bath. And after you trim your pubes, show them some love with the Manscaped liquid formulations. That's the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. They're key to feeling victorious and taking home the championship this year. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code DOLPHINSTALK at manscaped.com. Manscaped will also throw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DOLPHINSTALK at Manscaped. That at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code Dolphins Talk. Take your ball defense to the promised land with Manscaped. You love to do the Manscaped reads, you know? I can tell. You do it well. I get fired up. Get fired up to talk about Manscaped. All right, Brain, before we dive into the first preseason game of the year, you had the opportunity to visit training camp this week. So talk to us a little bit about that experience. What did you see? What did you learn? And how did that inform how you watched the preseason game on Saturday afternoon? Well, first and foremost, it, it was cool and it, it was nice to be, you know, with the fans uh, watching live reps, you know, act, watching, I mean, it's not an actual game, but out there actually watching the players on the field. That was a cool experience that we really haven't had for a couple of years. Uh, and then also it was a chance to see the new facility, which is beautiful. Um, and it, it had been a while since I had been to the, the old, uh, facility in Davie, which I'm like five minutes from now, but, uh, what I remember from going to watch practices there was that it was always brutally hot and you're baking in the sun and it, it's really not a pleasant experience. But now the bleachers are entirely under the shade. You have nice seats. Uh, the, the field looks beautiful. It's got the, the, the backdrop of the facility and it was just, it was just sleek and it was cool and it was, it, it was it was good to be there. That was a good experience. Uh, and then, uh, aside from that, you know, it was good to see what what these players were looking like at this point in training camp, leading up to the first preseason game. Uh, I thought that you know, obviously, all eyes are going to be on Tua, and I thought Tua, for the most part, in that training session that I went to, looked really good and really sharp, uh, but almost sort of foreshadowing what we saw in, in yesterday's game. Uh, it was a great session that ended poorly uh, with a couple of really bad interceptions, one on a miscommunication and one on a deep throw to Jakeem Grant where the coverage was really good, but then the ball just hung up there way too long into cover two and, and Javon Holland was able to, to just range over for an easy interception. But aside from Tua... Uh, I thought, you know, obviously it, the the day that I went to practice happened to be the same day that the Xavier Howard contract 
was was finally settled and they restructured that and they agreed upon their new terms and so it was cool to see x out there with the new contract he didn't play a lot but he was mostly not challenged and then when Tua did challenge him he had a great pass breakup uh so that was pretty cool to see and then aside from that uh i came away really impressed with the running backs uh in that session uh, I really liked what I saw out of Savan Ahmed. I thought uh, Miles Gaskin just looked like Miles Gaskin, which is running with vision and shiftiness and just looking smooth and unspectacular, but always finding a way to, to kind of fall forward for an extra couple of yards. Just very Miles Gaskin esque. Just really what you, you know, we didn't see much of him in his rookie year, but between what he saw, what we saw from him in his rookie year and what we saw from him last year, I think. You know what you have in Miles Gaskin, and he just looked the same. He looked like Miles Gaskin. But I did come away impressed with uh, both Malcolm Brown and Jared Dokes, who kind of looked difficult to tackle. Um, but whether or not they have the shiftiness that we really need uh, out of them, that, that remains to be seen. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that when we get down into the the breakdown of what we saw in this first preseason game against the Bears. Yeah, absolutely. So sounds like you had a pretty good experience there at training camp, and it seemed like a pretty welcoming environment. Big shout-out to our, our good friend Ian Berger, Big E, for, for hooking you up with the tickets to absolutely. season ticket holder VIP day, which we you, I guess, were uh, putting on a show as the— uh, as a season ticket holder that day. But thanks for the hookup on the tickets there, Big E. And uh, glad to that you were able to have that experience, Brain, and uh, learn a little bit from it. And of course, you know, there's always only so much that you can learn from watching a single individual training session. And, you know, really, you've got to add that to all of the other training sessions, plus then what you see on the field in the game. And obviously, Excuse me. We everybody reads the reports of what happens on the field, but to have the opportunity to see it with your own eyes is really a unique experience. So you had that experience, and then of course we all had the opportunity to watch the game on Saturday. And let's transition now to talking about that. The Dolphins lost to the Bears twenty to thirteen, but of course it's the preseason, so what the scoreboard says at the end of sixty minutes is really less important than how certain players and units performed. And Brain, as you sort of hinted at, the primary focus was always going to be on how Tua Tungavailoa played a quarterback. And I think in this game, he played fairly well, finishing 8 of 11 for 99 yards and an interception. And uh, listen, he was 0 of 2 to start the game, although one of those passes was a perfectly placed pass to Adam Shaheen that he was not able to come down with. Uh, but then after starting 0 of 2, he hits his next eight passes. Um, in fact, doesn't throw another incomplete pass until that interception that he threw. And I think we, if we're going to talk about this performance from Tua, we got to start with that interception just because it was the last thing we saw from him in the game. And it is the thing that a certain segment of the fan base and the national media is going to want to hone in on. And look, no matter how you slice it, it was a bad play. 
It's a bad play all around. Tua was late with his pass. His receiver was not as open as he thought he was. Shaheen didn't do him any favors. And even Tua admitted after the game that he really never should have thrown that pass. Brian Flores said in the postgame, obviously, he had one bad decision in the red zone. We talked about it. He knows exactly what he should have done with the ball there. It's correctable. We talked about it as a staff. It's something that's very correctable, and he will make the correction and move on to get better. So... I thought it was actually a very good game from Tua. You got to talk about the 50-yard strike where he finds Mike Gesicki in a mismatch with a with a linebacker, goes for 50 yards. That was great. He was locating the ball very, very well. And it's like what Tua lacks in the ability to zip a pass in there in, in that Dan Marino way when he's just like putting tons of speed behind the ball, he makes up for in his ability to locate passes. And he was doing that very, very well well in this game I thought Brain what what was your takeaway from watching Tua Tungavailoa on Saturday against the Bears Yeah I agree mostly with everything that you said uh, I think that for the most part Tua looked really really good uh, unfortunately his day ended with a really really bad interception he you know if if he identifies Shaheen breaking open in the slot and he and he immediately throws that uh I think that's that's a touchdown but that's one of those where you either have to make that decision quickly and and fire it let it go or you need to let it go and not make the pass and you can check down the running back was open there there were other places that he could have gone with the ball other than being really about two seconds late, which is an eternity. It's way too late to throw that pass. And then just being baited, it was a, an easy interception. I, I saw on, on Twitter, some people are blaming, you know, Durham Smythe for not being as aggressive attacking the football. And I guess, but... Shaheen, Adam Shaheen. Or Adam Shaheen, Adam Shaheen, sorry. Um, but two things here. One... Th- that that throw should not have been made when it was made. And two, Adam Shaheen, sure, he could have been a little bit more aggressive in, in going after the football there. But, you know, this is Adam Shaheen that we're talking about. We're, we're not talking about some, some stud, you know, we're not talking about, uh, you know, you know, prime Jimmy Graham, Tony Gonzalez. We're not talking about Devontae Parker or whatever. We're talking about our the number two tight end on the roster. And yeah, and that doesn't excuse effort. And he could always have more effort. But you're not expecting Adam Shaheen to make some great contested catch between two defenders on a ball that should not have been thrown when it was thrown. So anybody blaming Adam Shaheen for this interception and not focusing on Tua, that's problematic because that that's really showing uh, a lack of, of really, it's really showing a bias uh, and you're, you're looking at everything through aqua and orange glasses, trying to uh, excuse every mistake that Tua makes. This was all on Tua. It was a bad interception. That said, prior to that, I thought Tua was really, really good. Uh, he was decisive, he was confident, and the accuracy was on full display. On most of these throws, the ball was placed perfectly. I would say one of the least accurate throws that he actually made was actually the 50-yard pass to Gasicki 
just because Gasicki got so wide open in beating his man that Tua just had to float it up there and just put it in reasonable, you know, catchable uh, position for Gasicki to continue running. And it, it, it's not to say it wasn't an accurate pass. Like, he still hit him relatively in stride. It was slightly behind him. But other, but it's to say that that was, like, the least accurate pass that Tua threw was being a pass that was slightly behind Gasicki that resulted in a 50-yard reception. So that's how good Tua was. You just got to clean up. You can't have that interception. Like Brian Flores said, it was very correctable. They know exactly what he did wrong. He knows it. They talked about it, and they'll move forward. You just can't see it repeat itself. Uh, when Absolutely. we get into get, When we get into games, actual games, that's going to be the difference in winning and losing a football game is a turnover in the red zone. So you can't have that, especially on a first down, uh, you know, inside the 15-yard line. You cannot have that turnover. Yeah, and I think this is a trend that goes back to something that we saw last year with Tua, and it's just part of his development is is getting that timing right on at the NFL level. He is he's still working to figure that out to find where those windows are and understanding how quickly those windows close because it is a different it's a different game at this level. And obviously again, we're talking about Adam Shaheen here. It's it's not like he threw that pass to Jalen Waddle. It's not like he threw it to Devontae Parker. It's not like he even threw it to Mike Gesicki. He, he, he threw it to Adam Shaheen. But he's done, he's got to figure out that timing and it's clearly something that he's working on and it's something that the team is, you know, gonna hope that he can get better with. And again, he's a second year quarterback in the NFL. So mistakes like that are going to happen. You know, the the hope is that they don't happen too often. Um, But otherwise, I thought a very solid performance from from Tua. I gave him a solid B on day, maybe a B minus, depending on how much weight you want to give the interception. But I thought it was a, a good game by Tua. We know those are the flaws in his game are that he holds on to the ball too long and that he's, you know, still working on that timing. And that's going to be something to monitor as we go through the preseason here. Brain, let's talk about some other takeaways from this game. The other big one, I mean, really coming into the game and it was it was a concern and it remains a concern is the offensive line. Uh, I thought there were moments where the offensive line did pretty well. I was particularly impressed with Jesse Davis, who I thought had a really good game on the right side uh, against the Bears. But in particular, Austin Jackson had a stinker. Now, granted, he was going up against a very tough and physical Bears front, but you, you really wanted to see Austin Jackson have a little bit better game than this. And and Michael Dieter himself at center was not great either, but uh, you know, this is this is where this is the biggest question mark on the team this season aside from Tua, the question is how is this offensive line going to perform? Are they going to take the big step forward that we're all hoping that they're going to take? And based on the reports that we're hearing out of camp and based on the one preseason game that we've seen now, at this point, it seems that if the offensive line is taking a step forward at all, it is a very small incremental step forward at this point. Yeah, I, from what I've seen, I don't even know that they're taking a step forward right now. In fact, they might be taking a step back, but it is very early. We did not see Eichenberg play in this game, and uh, based on 
the depth chart in camp and the reps that have been received, uh, Eichenberg has been the first team guy. So since Eichenberg didn't play, Solomon Kindley played, Kindley did not play well. But this is a problem because it's twofold here when it comes to Eichenberg and Kindley. Uh, on the one hand, I think it was pretty well understood that when the Dolphins drafted Liam Eichenberg, the idea was we were pretty well set at guard. We were The plan was we were moving Robert Hunt inside to guard, and Eichenberg was just going to give us more depth at tackle. But now it's been determined that Eichenberg can't even play tackle because he can't even beat out Jesse Davis. If he can't beat out Jesse Davis, and yes, it's his rookie year, and he could develop and all this and, and, and that, but let's be honest. They traded up from the third round, they, or they gave up a, a, thir- a future third round pick to use a second round pick on Liam Eichenberg to, to play tackle, and he can't even beat out Jesse Davis right now. This is a problem. And then Solomon Kindley, who had a really nice rookie year, is now not even able to, to beat out the rookie tackle that we're now playing at guard and Solomon Kinley seems to be taking a step back this is really problematic we now have uh you know with Eichenberg playing guard we have a guy that we drafted to play tackle playing at guard with Robert Hunt playing at tackle because we've been unable despite trying in several different ways, whether it was Isaiah Wilson or uh, DJ Fluker or Liam Eichenberg, no matter how we've tried to address the right tackle position, it hasn't panned out. So we're back to playing Robert Hunt, who everybody believes his highest ceiling is at guard, playing him at tackle. And then, because we didn't address the center position in any significant way, other than bringing in Matt Skura, we now have Michael Dieter, who we drafted to play guard, playing center. And it's just, it seems like a bunch of plan Bs. Uh, you know, th- th- this wasn't the plan when, when we came into training camp to have all of these guys playing in their backup positions where they aren't at their best. And it's really disappointing considering all of the investments in both draft capital, in free agency money, in trades that we have put in over the last really three years now, ever since uh, Brian Flores has been here and Chris Greer has had full control of the roster, that we have put in all of these investments into the offensive line and we're realistically... We're looking at it, and the only guy on this offensive line that I think any Dolphin fan really feels like, feels confident this guy is going to be here and is going to be a staple of this offensive line for the foreseeable future is Robert Hunt. That's one of five guys, and that that's terrible considering the amount of investment we've put into this position, considering that we've spent the better part of the last 25 years talking about how this is the biggest bugaboo of this friend, well, aside from quarterback, uh, that the biggest bugaboo aside from quarterback with this franchise has been the offensive line, and they just can't seem to get it right. And it doesn't look like they're going to get it, like they've got it right right now. Uh, granted, it's early, and you and they could absolutely improve. But I don't want to hear excuses about Austin Jackson going up against uh, a really good Chicago Bears you know, defensive front, 
Austin Jackson was the number 18 pick in the draft. You drafted him to be a franchise tackle. Every week he's going to be going up against a really good defensive end. He's going to be going up against a really good pass rusher. This is the NFL. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he's playing the Bears. The next week he's playing the Falcons. You know, whatever team we play, they're going to have their best pass rusher lined up in all likelihood against Austin Jackson for a good portion of the game. And if Austin Jackson's going to suck, it's going to be a problem all year long. Yes, that's absolutely correct. It is going to be a problem. Now, that being said, there were moments last year where Austin Jackson did well, and I believe that there will be moments this year when he's going to do well again. The question is, what is the progress going to look like over the course of this season? I think that's really where we're going to make that decision is let's see how things pan out over the course of this season. And if if Austin Jackson is consistently struggling, yeah, then it's it's we're going to have to sit here and have a conversation about this organization's ability to evaluate offensive line talent because this has been this has been something that they've invested a lot of picks in, a lot of draft capital has been has gone into this offensive line particularly in the last couple of drafts. Yes, a lot of these guys are still young. But it is it is a glaring issue on this team, and it's going to be something that is going to be on everybody's radar all season long, is how well does this offensive line play together, how do they gel, and can they improve as the season goes on? From the reports in training camp and this first preseason game, right now, remains a probably my biggest concern on this team is the offensive line which is followed right behind my second biggest concern on this team particularly from the offensive standpoint is the running back room now brain before I jump to the running backs is there anything else you want to say on the offensive line because you certainly cut a pretty good promo on Chris Greer right there yeah, uh, we already know that there's an issue with, with building the offensive line because the reports are already out that the Dolphins are looking for tackles and they're willing to trade for a tackle. Well, and, and I trying- think that's clear that they're looking for depth. They're certainly looking for depth at their position because they don't they don't have any. Like we saw how bad, you know, the, the, the top five offensive line, like it was already fairly sketchy. And then when they brought in the second and third stringers, Adam Pankey was getting pushed around. It was it was bad. Yeah, so we know we know that it's bad, and and the fact that the fact that they're looking for for a tackle at this point, considering all of the investment they've made, we know that they've done a bad job. The second part of that is the last thing I want to say about the offensive line because I kind of touched on it uh, with Kindley. Uh, I thought pass protection wise, the first team offensive line was not terrible in this game. Austin Jackson had his moments which were bad and that's concerning but I thought in general when Tua was in there and then towards the end of the first half when Jacoby Brissett was in there I didn't think the pass protection was terrible Uh, but the run blocking was bad. Uh, There's you know Solomon Kindley was getting beat. Austin Jackson was getting beat. There was not a lot of room to run. And you brought in a guy like Michael, like Malcolm Brown, and we're going to get into the running back room here in a second, so this will be a good segue, is that we had a few opportunities, both on the Dolphins' second drive, where we drove down, we got into the one, in, you know, down to the one-yard line, 
with a second and goal, and then we had two opportunities to pound the ball in, and we were unable to do so. And then we had a couple of other short yardage situations where they didn't look particularly good. They weren't getting much push uh, in the middle of the offensive line. So that's concerning too. There wasn't a lot of room to run for the Dolphins running backs, uh, which really comes down to the the offensive line not really creating space, not really doing a great job in run blocking. Yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about that because listen, if the offensive line is not going to not going to give a lot of space, you're going to need a lot of shifty running backs and running backs who can make a quick move and 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 really, you know earn that yardage for the offensive line, right? And with a guy like Malcolm Brown, it looked very much like that was going to be a problem. Malcolm Brown ended up with eight yards on nine carries. Very, uh, I mean, almost the very definition of Jordan one yard, which was the vibe that I was getting from Malcolm Brown in this game. It was just, it was not good. And I know he's a big body guy with a full head of steam. And he's that kind of guy that can give you that you know, those tough yards when you need them, but this was not a terribly inspiring performance from Malcolm Brown. He seemed very slow off the mark. And again, it's the first preseason game. And maybe this is something that he's going to just need to, you know, get, get back up to speed. But that was a little bit concerning. Uh, He did not look terribly good. Miles Gaskin had four carries for 19 yards, looked okay in flashes. I'll tell you who had a very good game was uh, Savan Ahmed had six carries for 40 yards. He also caught a 23 yard touchdown pass out of the backfield he looked shifty he looks like he has added a couple of dimensions to his game he looked faster he looked like he the last season he showed an inability to sort of make the first guy miss which looked to have been improved upon somewhat this year and granted this was a very small sample size but he looked good so I was impressed with Savan Ahmed uh Jared Dokes didn't get to see a whole lot out of him in this game, but it was, you know, he's he's that he's kind of a bigger, sort of slower back along the lines of Malcolm Brown. He's one of those guys who needs to get downfield, you know, and and get the snowball effect where he really gets going and he can sort of knock guys over that way. But he didn't seem to have that shiftiness in the backfield that is going to be needed to get past those guys who are streaming across the line of scrimmage. Um, and then I don't I don't know that Patrick Laird touched the ball very much at all in this game. And I think Patrick the Patrick Laird experiment, I think, is is going to be coming to an end at the end of this preseason. Um, I, it would be something of a minor miracle for him if he were, I think, to make the 53-man roster when all is said and done. But again, it you were left with that feeling of and I, I was not one of those people who was loudly pounding the table for a running back in this year's draft, but I thought, you know, there are still some big name running backs out there on the free agent market. Todd Gurley among them as of Sunday morning, Lamar Miller is now out there on this, on the market. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Dolphins were to bring in one of those guys and kick the tires a little bit, just to add another little, another element of experience and depth to that running back room because it there is there is just not a lot that is inspiring hope and confidence in the Dolphins backfield particularly behind this offensive line well and I think that's what it comes down to at this point are Todd Gurley and Lamar Miller going to be huge upgrades or even upgrades at all over the guys that we have in this backfield because those aren't guys the reason that they're out there 
and available is that for a couple of years now, they have shown to really not be productive because they're not difference makers, which means that for those guys to succeed, they need great offensive line play in front of them. So what are we even doing by adding that? I just don't see the the value in it unless somebody gets hurt. Like if if you really if 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 we didn't feel confident in Miles Gaskin and Savan Ahmed, then I would say okay, then let's bring in a, a Lamar Miller or a Travis or or a Todd Gurley uh, to to have in there in that role. But those are the two guys that we feel confident in, and then Malcolm Brown and Jared Dokes, who we drafted are supposed to be our between-the-tackle thumpers. Todd Gurley and Lamar Miller aren't that. So are Todd Gurley or Lamar Miller going to be upgrades over Savan Ahmed and Miles Gaskin? I don't think so. So I don't think that there's much sense at all in in bringing those guys in, unless, of course, there was some, uh, an injury to come up, in which case then, yes, absolutely, you're going to want to bring in some more depth at that position. But unless Todd Gurley can block, <laughs> I don't think I don't think it's good. unless he can play guard or center or, or tackle. Got to bring in, got to bring in uh, Todd Gurley to be a hybrid running back left tackle. You know who we need. You know who we could use. We Iron could use Hayward. We could use uh, nineteen eighty eight to like nineteen ninety Jim Jensen. Oh. Yeah, you listen, he's around, right? Isn't he down there in South Florida? Do you think we can get I him, saw him a couple of years? A I saw him a couple years back at the the Natmore uh, barbecue and they had all the Dolphins uh guys there with their like aqua jackets and they had oh, like yes. this preseason there this pregame barbecue. I think you barbecue. told us this story was I think you told us the story of this barbecue once yeah. before here on the show. Oh, right, with Dwight Stevenson and the nacho fingers. Yeah, but that was good. But uh Jim Jensen looked hammered. Oh, fantastic. So maybe that would be a good thing. Who knows? Crash. Shoot us a slide in the DMs there, Jim Jensen. Let's go. Let's get you set up with the Miami Dolphins. I don't know how that we're going to help. Maybe slide in Chris Greer's DMs. Uh, see what we can do. All right, Brain. Uh, what are some of the other takeaways? I think we got to listen. We got to talk about this defense because the first string defense did a bang up job against the Chicago Bears. Now, it, it has to be said. We have to preface this by saying that Matt Nagy is completely out of his mind if he is going to start Andy Dalton week one. Because the just, and granted, Justin Fields was largely working against the Dolphins twos and threes, but the difference between what that offense looked like, what the Bears offense looked like when Andy Dalton was on the field versus what it looked like when Justin Fields was on the field, it was completely night and day. And he brings a whole other dimension that is problematic. That being said, the Dolphins' first-string defense was still able to put a pretty good clamp on Justin Fields as well. The Bears uh, ended up with, some, with, I think, 79 total yards in the first half. The Dolphins did a great job shutting down the run and holding the Bears to three and out after three and out. I thought it was a really nice performance, a stout performance from the Dolphins' first-string defense in this game. And, boy, Matt Nagy, you got you to ditch Andy Dalton and let, let Justin Fields be the guy. I mean, if imagine, Dolphin fans, if Ryan Fitzpatrick had been performing the way that Andy Dalton was performing and you had 
Tua on the bench last season. I mean, you had people pounding the table for Tua anyway with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick playing some of the best football of his life. Behind Andy Dalton like this, after the performance that Justin Fields put on, sorry, it's not a Bears podcast, but whoo boy, Matt Nagy, not not a good look. Anyway, Brain, talk to me about the what your thoughts were on the defense. The first team defense was great. And what's amazing <laughs> is that the first team defense was great. And that was without X, without Byron Jones, without Emmanuel Agba, without Brandon Jones. And no Jalen Phillips. He didn't play. Yeah. Well, we haven't seen Jalen Phillips really the entire training camp. Hopefully we'll see him back at practice this week and we'll get to see him in a, in a game in a preseason game next week. Uh, so we, we don't really know what we have in Jalen Phillips, but X, Byron Jones, Emmanuel Agba, and even Brandon Jones in his role, we know that those are significant contributors uh, to this Dolphins defense, a Dolphins defense that was very good a year ago. These are guys that the Dolphins are going to be relying on, and without those guys, the Dolphins completely clamped down the Bears' first-string offense. In fact, even with Brandon Fields or Justin Fields in the in the game, the Bears basically did nothing. They put up a field goal in the last minute on the last drive right before halftime. But this defense forced four straight three and outs. It was a dominant performance. And I came away especially, especially uh, impressed by the play of Nick Needham, who this guy, we do it every year. I mean, this is his third year since being an undrafted free agent. And every year... He's, he's kind of buried on the depth chart. We're not really expecting anything. And everybody's clamoring for, you need to get an upgrade over Nick Needham. And then Nick Needham is out there outworking everybody and just making plays and doing a really solid job. And, uh, you know, it's possible because we also saw uh, Noah Igbenogany played fairly well in this game, which was yep. really nice to see. Um, he got beat on a, on a pretty... He had some pretty tight coverage on a receiver who went up and caught that pass over him um, where it looked like he was maybe playing the man a little bit uh, more than the ball on that play and got beat on it. But otherwise, he was largely he had largely did a pretty good job, I thought. Yeah, I thought Noah, I thought Noah Igbenogany had a solid, a solid performance. Justin Coleman, I thought, played pretty well. But this guy needs to learn to wrap up because on multiple occasions, he came out, he attacked, and it's great that he wants to be physical and make tackles. That's a staple of a Brian Flores defense is you want your defensive backs to be physical and be able to tackle. But being able to tackle and being physical doesn't mean, you know, pretending that you're Ray Lewis and you can somehow just truck a guy and he's going to fall down when you're Justin Coleman and you're relatively light out there and you're just, you know, laying a hit and you're, you're not wrapping him up and you're not finishing the tackle. Uh, so Justin Coleman needs to improve on that. But the fact that the Dolphins have this much depth at corner, because we didn't even mention Jason McCourty, uh, who was largely quiet in this game. And for a corner, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of depth there. So it, 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 there is the possibility that Nick Needham, while I think certainly if he keeps playing at this level, is going to be a valuable piece of this team, there is the possibility that he could also be a guy that could be on his way out in a trade if we can get 
something good in exchange for him because we have so many other options at that position. But I, I was very impressed with him. I thought Eric Rowe had a really good game. Uh, the, the, the Dolphins secondary played well, which is incredible considering that X and Byron Jones and Brandon Jones didn't play in this game. Uh, I, I do think obviously the second and third team defense did not play well. There was, there was uh, miscommunication. There was, uh, you know, coverage breakdowns. There was not great run defense. It was a, a bad performance by the second and third string defense uh, in the second half of this game. And so that's something that is going to come into question. But you also have to take into account that when you're, you're talking about the amount of players that didn't play from the first string, that means that some of those guys that were playing with the first string in this game, not playing with the second string means that really most of the guys that were not playing well for the Dolphins defensively are guys that aren't even going to make the roster. I mean, there, there's a few guys out there. I mean, John Jenkins is battling for, for a roster spot. Obviously, you know, some of these backup linebackers, you know, your Duke Riley's and your Brennan Scarlett's and, uh, guy and, and Sam Aguavin. Shaquem Griffin. Well, Shaquem Griffin, yeah, I mean, he, he had, he took, he was part of a, of a play that forced a fumble, but other than that, you know, he was largely ineffective. You know, there's some, there's some depth concerns at linebacker. I think we knew that coming into the season. Maybe we could use an extra defensive lineman or a linebacker, but we're, I mean, when you're talking about, you know, maybe you can add an extra defensive lineman. Maybe you can add an extra linebacker for depth purposes. That's every team in the league. It's it's really not that concerning because the first team defense played so well and they have, and they're so stacked there uh, that I, I, and I'm really intrigued to see how Jalen Phillips uh, really impacts what this defense looks like going forward. Hopefully we'll get to see him, but I really am not concerned about the defense. I think the defense is going to be really good. Obviously you want them to tighten up some of the things with the, with the depth issues in the second and third stringers, but what are we really talking about? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is abundantly clear that this Dolphins defense is going to win them some football games this season. I think it is safe to say that, that there will be some times where this defense carries the offense over the line. Granted, we still don't know exactly what this offense is going to look like because we didn't see the all of the offensive weapons out there on the field. There was no Devontae Parker, no Will Fuller in this game. Uh, Jalen Waddle played very limited action. Uh, Preston Williams, obviously, is, is still on the pup list. Uh, no Albert Wilson. So, a lot of a lot of areas of this offense just have yet to be revealed and probably won't be revealed until we get to the regular season. Um, but yeah, the defense really encouraging performance from the defense. Kind of last thing I want to talk about here on this game brain is uh, is I want to talk about Jalen Waddle. Want to talk about this special teams game? Jalen Waddle looked great on the kick return that he had. I thought Jakeem Grant. Largely looked good returning returning kicks, and I thought it was really interesting that Waddle was back there first, and Jakeem Grant was back there second. And you know, listening to uh, uh, Steve, uh, what's his name? Steve Goldberg, Goldstein, Goldstein, Goldie, Goldie, Goldie. 
Goldie, I thought, first of all, huge upgrade on yeah. the, the local broadcast from Dick Stockton. I mean, most <laughs> most Dolphin fans watching this game around the country were watching it on the NFL Network, which was carrying the Bears broadcast of the game. But I was able to go back afterwards and, and watch the South Florida broadcast. And boy, Steve Gold. Uh, Goldie did a great job, I thought, first big upgrade. But you listen to him, and he kept talking about how uh, there's going to be this special teams battle and this battle to determine who the the kick returner is going to be and who the punt returner is going to be. And and Kim Bocamper was doing an interview with Brian Flores on the field during the game, and he asking him, this is going to be an exciting battle to watch, right? And blah, blah, blah. And, and Flores was kind of noncommittal and sort of said something along the lines of, yes, I hope so. I hope it will be exciting. I wonder... If the Dolphins aren't showcasing Jakeem Grant with an eye towards including him in some sort of trade package somewhere, making him look exciting with the idea of shopping him around in order to get something back in return, whether that is a tackle or a uh, running back or, or, or something, um, it seems to me there is not really a place on this team for Jakeem Grant. And when you saw Waddle returning kicks looking good, Igbenogany looked good on a return. Malcolm Perry, to a lesser extent, looked okay. Um, I think they even put Bowden back there to return a kick at one point, but I think the ball went into the end zone. I, I really, it feels to me, and I might be completely off base on this, but I wonder if the Dolphins aren't just showcasing Jakeem Grant with an eye towards moving him somewhere before the end of the preseason. I think it's certainly possible, uh, but Look, Jakeem's had a pretty good camp, and he is still an electric kick returner. Uh, and so he's he's making a case for being on this roster. Sure, he's also being showcased. And if the Dolphins, if there's a move to be made, uh, and the Dolphins can get an upgrade somewhere else on the roster where they need some help, uh, and they can get that from Jakeem Grant, then or for Jakeem Grant, then then yeah, that'll make sense. But look, we didn't see Albert Wilson in this game because Albert Wilson got hurt and Albert Wilson was having a big camp. And when it comes to the actual offense and the and being wide receivers, uh, Jakeem Grant is a lot more expendable if you have guys like Albert Wilson and Lynn Bowden Jr. performing. Lynn Bowden Jr. has basically been buried on the depth chart. So Jakeem Grant has seemingly already beaten him out. And Albert Wilson, who is having a great camp, is now hurt. And that's nothing new from Albert Wilson. So you might need to to keep Jakeem Grant. He there it might be valuable to keep him. And then there's nothing wrong with having two electric punt returners who can also play receiver, especially since, you know, there and I don't put a lot of credence into this because, uh, you know, you can get hurt on any play, I, I think. And I think there's enough rules now where uh, the injuries to kick returners are, are kind of mitigated to where I don't worry about Jalen Waddle being back there on kick returns and punt returns and thinking, oh, this is stupid. We're risking injury. At the end of the day, you, you can get hurt on a kick return, a punt return. You can get hit. You can get hurt in practice. You can get hurt uh, on any play of the game. So I don't really look at it that way. But injuries are a significant portion of the game. Jalen Waddle does have an, uh, a history of in, of being hurt in college. So does Jakeem Grant. So. 
unless there is a significant upgrade to be made by getting rid of Jakeem Grant, there's not there's not really anything wrong with having both of them back there. And if one of them happens to get hurt, you still have an electric punt returner back there because the return game was really a story uh, of that first half. The Dolphins put 13 points up up on the board and obviously should have had more if not for the interception by Tua. A big part of that was field position, the defense and the the punt return game. Uh, and look, if this offensive line is going to struggle and we don't really know what this offense is going to look like, you're going to need to win games with defense and field position with the special teams. So it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to just, you know, offload Jakeem Grant if they really need him. And right now, I think he's proving to be valuable. There's still time left for other receivers. You know, you want to see Devontae Parker back in there. You want to see Preston Williams. Obviously, you want to see if Albert Wilson can get back in there. And then if that's the case, and Jakeem Grant is now your sixth receiver, and you have other return options, then at that point, yes, you know, Jakeem Grant becomes expendable. But right now, He's been about your second or third best receiver in this training camp. And he's a dynamic punt returner. So right now, uh, I would have him on the roster. Although, you know, it's still early. And I think you're waiting for other guys to step up. Yeah. And and one of those guys who I think is stepping up. And there there was largely was a game where most of the guys towards the bottom end of the depth chart, you were looking for somebody to show up and, and have a big performance. And most of them did not do that. Most of them sort of were just very quiet. And the, the second half, things just sort of petered out from a Dolphins perspective. But uh, one of those fringy wide receivers that I think is is a bubble guy uh, is Mac Hollins. And let me tell you something, Mac Hollins is developing a relationship with Tua. There's something there. There is a connection there. Those two guys seem to be on the same page. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if Mac Hollins was, you know, at the end of the day when that 53-man roster is revealed to see Mac Hollins' name in there in that wide receiver unit because I thought that, I thought, I think that there's something there. There's something to it. And he's providing, proving to be a useful piece for the Dolphins who can do quite a few things. So I, I like it. I like the Mac Hollins situation. Mac Hollins is fine, but Mac Hollins value to this team is as a gunner on special teams. The only reason that Mac Hollins is out there playing wide receiver right now, at least with the, with the offense is because he's a big bodied receiver and Devonte Parker and Preston Williams are both out. Uh, so Fair enough. if we're, if we're relying on Mac Hollins, to, oh, to, oh don't it, get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what happened last year. That's literally the reason why we were clamoring to remake this wide receiver room is because we were relying on Mac Hollins at the end of the year. So if we're back to relying on Mac Hollins as a receiver because he has a relationship with Tua, then there's a problem. Yeah. I'm not saying that Mac Hollins is going to be our number one receiver, but I think that there's something there and, you know, having him at the bottom of that wide receiver depth chart, I think might be a good thing, particularly in light of what he offers and provides on special teams. So all that, all that said, it was, uh, I think overall a game where I don't know that we learned a whole lot about the Dolphins going forward from this game. I think we we confirmed a lot of what we were suspicious about. Like we confirmed that looks like Tua is 
progressing, so that's a good thing. We confirmed that the offensive line is going to be a problem. We confirmed that the running backs are go that the running back room is is below average, and we confirm that the defense is really, really solid. So that's the baseline. That's game number one. Let's see what happens in game two. We don't know. The Dolphins haven't really announced whether this game coming up against Atlanta is going to be the dress rehearsal game where the ones basically play the whole first half, or if that's something that Flores is going to save for game three. We we don't, we'll, we'll probably get some clarity on that as the week goes, goes ahead. But uh, it was listen. At the end of the day, it was good to watch some football and see the Miami Dolphins out there on the field against another team. That was really great. In just a moment, we're going to talk about Xavier Howard. But first, guys, sports betting season is in full force with football fast approaching and MLB pennant races just starting to heat up. You're going to need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1-800-69-BETUS. That's 1-800-MY-BETUS. You'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code DOLPHINSTALK. They have re-up and referral bonuses as well. BetUS is known as America's favorite sportsbook for a lot of of reason. BetUS has all of your MLB games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and NFL odds up already. You could bet UFC matches and props, PGA golf and round matchups, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games and the racebook has all your horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable and the sharp BetUS mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. Bet US. And remember, use the bonus code Dolphins Talk for a 125% sign up bonus. BetUS.com. Brain. Shortly after we recorded our last episode, Xavier Howard came out with a public statement indicating he was not happy in Miami. And I think a lot of us saw that coming. In his statement, he said, I don't feel valued or respected by the Dolphins. He added, just like they can take a business first approach, so can I. Howard said that he and his new agent, David Cantor, never requested a new deal, but instead offered solutions such as more guaranteed money on a reworked contract and that the organization refused those pitches. So Howard said, I don't feel the organization has dealt with me in good faith. He ended the statement by declaring that he had requested a trade and was only showing up to training camp so that he wouldn't get fined $50,000 per day. This was kind of alarming and it set off every, I mean, listen, if you follow the Dolphins enough to be listening to this podcast, you know what happened. There was drama. Everybody was starting to make plans. Oh my gosh, what are the Dolphins going to do without his Avian Howard? They're going to have to trade him. And then you had other people who were like, pay him, renegotiate, give him millions of dollars, millions of dollars, whatever. Meanwhile, the Dolphins were outwardly not giving an inch. Brian Flores repeatedly indicated that the team was not interested in trading Howard. Howard showed up to training camp, participated for a few days before suffering what was called a quote-unquote ankle injury that caused him to sit out. 
However, behind the scenes, the Dolphins went back to the negotiating table with David Cantor and Xavier Howard, and eventually the sides reached an agreement. The Dolphins agreed to give Howard up to $3.5 million in incentives for 2021, including a $1 million bonus for making the Pro Bowl or being named an All-Pro. They agreed to rescind the $93,000 in fines that Howard incurred for skipping mandatory minicamp in June. They moved his per-game roster bonuses of $500,000 in 2022 to base salary and guaranteed it against injury. They converted a $100,000 workout bonus in 2022 to base salary guaranteed that against injury. And they basically converted Xavier Howard's injury guarantee for 2022 to a full guarantee on the first day of the league year. And they also fully guaranteed $6.775 million of Howard's 2022 salary. So that means the maximum value for Howard's 2021 contract is now at $16.3 million. The Dolphins also agreed to revisit Xavier Howard's contract next spring based on performance and health. So, Brain, we, we know now Xavier Howard will remain a member of the Miami Dolphins through at least the 2021 season. But how do you think the Dolphins handled this situation? And are you happy with the results? I think the Dolphins handled it perfectly, and frankly, so did Xavier Howard. Uh, this was the best case scenario, I think, for both sides. Uh, you know, X was firm in his demands, but he also showed up to training camp, conducted himself as a professional, was there for his teammates. Obviously, you know, if his motivation, whatever his motivation was, even if it was just to be there so he doesn't get fined, that's fine. He showed up, he played, he was there, he he was a professional. I thought he did that, he did everything right. Nothing that he did outwardly in the media was, you know, he, he wasn't like Antonio Browning this thing. He wasn't making this a circus or making it about him. He was just simply saying, look, I have outperformed my contract and I would like to renegotiate it. The Dolphins aren't doing that. And so I'm unhappy with this contract. So I want to be traded. Nothing wrong with that. But he still played as a professional. And then the Dolphins, they didn't just give in and just give him whatever he wanted, which would have been the Dolphins thing to do for years uh, with, a, with a player as important as, as X is would just be, give him whatever he wants, we need him, forget about what this is going to do to us two or three years down the road, we need this guy, let's get him under contract. Uh, they didn't give him any additional guaranteed money for this year, it's all incentive-based, so he only gets that money if he plays to the level that he played at last year, or close to it, which is great, because if he does, then he's earning that money, and then you know, they've, they've, by guaranteeing him and by making his, by committing all those guarantees to base salary next year, they've also opened the door to where if they trade X next year, they're not going to be on the hook for that base salary. So they've essentially bought themselves a year, let Xavier Howard play out this year and, and earn his money. And if he plays to this high of a level, uh, then they can revisit this next offseason. And instead of waiting until training camp 
to have this, uh, you know, all blow up. They'll have an entire offseason of knowing exactly what their options are as far as whether they want to renegotiate X's contract, whether they want to shop him, whether they want to do both at the same time. They'll have that in their back pocket. It also gives them an extra year to evaluate what, what else they have on this roster with uh, both Noah Igbenogany as well as Byron Jones because Byron Jones, look, his he, he was immovable this year with $28 million of dead cap space. He still has $12 million of dead cap next year, but then after that has, uh, you know, his dead cap goes down to 4 million and he becomes a movable piece. If he's not considered, uh, you know, a vital piece going forward uh, as a replacement for Xavier Howard and also Noah Igbenogany, it gives him a year to develop and see what they have because you know when they drafted Noah Igbenogany and when they didn't just cave and give Xavier Howard what he wanted, part of that uh, part of that equation was we we brought Noah Igbenogany in here to potentially be the replacement for Xavier Howard. At this point, it, it seems pretty wishful thinking to imagine that Noah Igbenogany is going to get to that level where he's a suitable place replacement for Xavier Howard. But you never know because he is young. He does have ceiling based on his athleticism. And it's not like Xavier Howard was lighting the world on fire as a rookie. So they've bought themselves a year. They've kicked the can down the road and they did it in a way that they haven't really hampered themselves. So I thought this was really well handled by Miami. And at the end of the day, the most important thing is that they've got this situation handled and there's not this huge drama hanging into the season. And we could just focus on football because at the end Absolutely. of the day, that's what, that's what it's all about. So I'm, I thought they handled it brilliantly. And to X's credit and David Cantor's credit, I thought they did it in a way that uh, also made X look good. And uh, both sides, I, I think, handled it well. Yeah. And I think both sides can claim a win on this. And it really works out really equally beneficial for everybody. So happy to have that resolved. Happy that he's going to be part of this Dolphins defense, which we already know is going to be great. I think it's going to be a top 10 defense in the National Football League easily. I think, you know, depending on how things go, could be a top five defense in this league. I mean, this is a very, very strong unit. I think it's easily the strength of this team at this point. And as we go through the preseason, hopefully we'll get to see them in action a little bit. That is going to do it. For this episode of the same old Dolphin Show. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're following us on Twitter. I am at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. Go to Facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins. Give us a like over there as well. Make sure that you download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere that you can get podcasts. We appreciate you leaving us a positive rating and review. It helps other people find the show. Also, make sure to visit DolphinsTalk.com each and every day. It is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins, and we've got a great Miami Dolphins uh, we got the great DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Lots of new shows coming your way. If you haven't done so also, and I know it's late in the show, so if you're still with us at this point, thank you for, for sticking around. But go to YouTube, smash the subscribe button, hit like on this video. We appreciate you spreading the word. Lots of new 
great content coming your way in the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. So make sure you're subscribed because there's a lot of really fun stuff. YouTube exclusive stuff coming your way. You're not going to want to miss out on that. Aaron and I will be back next week with more talk of your favorite team, the Miami Dolphins. We'll be talking about the game against Atlanta and any kind of other news and notes that pops up along the way. But for now, as always, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in